Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's edition of the Forward Together podcast. Today, we're talking with Kevin Saul, who was hired as the director of athletics at Wichita State University in June. Kevin is leading Shocker Athletics during a time of significant change, name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, and conference realignment top the list. Kevin will take a lead role as Wichita State navigates this new environment in its sixth year as a member of the American Athletic Conference. Well, Kevin, thank you for being here today and um, joining me on this podcast. I'm looking forward to talking to you about what you're doing in athletics. But before we start, um, you have a really inspiring uh backstory and um, a lot of it has to do with um, your connection to Kansas and um, if you could tell us a little bit about that and and then why you applied for the job. Thanks so much for having us uh, on the podcast. So yeah, absolutely. I'm a native of Kansas, was born and raised in uh, Manhattan, Kansas. Dad was a psychology professor at Kansas State. Mom was an advisor in the College of Arts and Sciences. So we grew up on a college campus um, our dinner table conversations at night, you could imagine, were student athlete mm-hmm. development focused and uh, student development focused and all those things. And so, you know, dad's journey, uh, very tight with my father. And uh, he went from a, a, a professor to a department head to a dean and eventually a provost. And certainly you can appreciate that yeah. pathway <laughs> and and uh, all the challenges. And as I've uh, gone through my athletics career, I've certainly bounced a lot of things off of off of him. So I feel like we have a unique perspective as an athletics director and a real appreciation for the educational piece of it. You know, after obtaining a master's degree in in Lawrence, uh, we're going through the process, try to finish our doctoral degree Mm -hmm. uh, from Murray State. So the the educational tie is very important. Wichita State um, has always been a place that's been on my radar from a young person in elementary and junior high watching the baseball, the emergence of college baseball and ESPN and and Gene Stevenson and Skip Bertman and Augie Garrido and and all of that um, to, you know, going through my career in athletics, certainly crossing paths with the Shockers in numerous times. And it's always been a program that I've uh, I've watched closely. So to have an opportunity to come back home to work um, for you and an incredible vision that so many folks have been responsible for carrying through here at Wichita State, um, an athletics program that has shown tremendous success throughout history um, was a great opportunity for me and my family. My wife, Jennifer, also born and raised in Manhattan. Um, so we're very close to a lot of family and friends in Kansas. And it's uh, it's been a, a remarkable um, transition in our lives. Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing this um, because I always think uh, that people who have some sort of personal connection to an institution, wherever they work, that's usually when they have the most success because they're, they're, they understand the community, understand the culture, they, they understand what, um, uh, what, what the institution is trying to do. So I appreciate you sharing that. Well, let's start with a definition. Um, what should people understand to learn more about name, image, and likeness? Well, absolutely. First and foremost, you hear name, image, likeness, you hear NIL. Uh, really, it refers to the way our college athletes can receive compensation permissibly now. So use of an, use of an athlete's name, image, likeness, uh, whether it involves a business or branding, um, how they leverage their name, their image, and their likeness through marketing or promotional efforts with a with a business partner. You know, I use a really simple example. When I was a student athlete 25 years ago, um, we couldn't have jobs or there was no NIL. And if I had a classmate that was a really skilled pianist, 
and she wanted to go to a restaurant on a Friday night and, and play for an hour and be compensated for that, she could do that based on her skills and her image mm -hmm. and, and all those things. And we couldn't do that as student athletes. So in its very simplest form, it really allows uh, student athletes the ability to do that. Yeah. I think that's a great example. People can really see uh, the, the the discrepancy there and the, and the disparities there among our performing arts majors because mm -hmm. they do that that all the time. Mm -hmm. So, what's uh, Wichita State's responsibility in connecting students with NIL opportunities? Well, I think first and foremost, we talk about our program. It really needs to include protecting the integrity of the institution and then ultimately the eligibility of the student athletes, which means we've got to do it within the rules. And there's NCAA guidance. Uh, there are state guidances throughout the country. I think first and foremost is a central spot for information. And so we have a website that is www.goshockers.com. Um, forward slash NIL. And that really is the centralized uh, spot for all the information as it relates to name image likeness. And I'll refer to that website through our, throughout our discussion. Um, so the legislation, the NCA legislation focuses more on what institutions can't do. And I'm sure we'll get to that here shortly, but uh, more so talk about our responsibility really is to establish um, communication, uh, really an initial policy is the first piece. We've got to establish a policy. So we have a policy that was updated August of, of 22 mm -hmm. um, as the rules have evolved. Um, and though, so that piece is really important. And then we've got to educate our student athletes, our boosters, season ticket holders, donors on that policy, what's permissible within that policy, communicate the importance of the activity on retention for student athletes, right? We, we've got to be competitive in that space mm -hmm. um, if we're going to retain elite level student athletes. So, and then really it's setting up the infrastructure. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about open doors and the armchair strategies uh, in a little bit, but I heard a, a very good analogy that the athletic department's role is really to set up the infrastructure. We provide the telephone line, if you will, and the use of that infrastructure really is between the business community and the student athlete. Yeah, and you know, there's always been this mystery about this, but could you talk a little bit about um, the, the the Supreme Court decision which led up to this, um, this just last year, I think it was? Yes, yes, absolutely. And if you look at the history of a scholarship, um, when I was a student athlete as an Olympic sports student athlete, there were five traditional elements of a scholarship, room, board, books, tuition, and fees. About seven years ago, uh, the NCA legislated that you could pay the full cost of attendance was the term that was used at that point in time. And so you might ask, well, what's the difference between full cost of attendance and those traditional five elements? And it's things like reasonable entertainment, travel back and forth from home, medical expenses that aren't really contained mm -hmm. within room board books, tuitions and, and fees. And so at Wichita State, we provide a cost of attendance check monthly to all of our student athletes. It's about a $250 check per month. So that's a real positive um, yeah. in terms of what has occurred in the past. Recently, a federal district court also ruled nationally that you could um, pay uh, student athletes, you could compensate an award for academic performance. 
So we have a goal, as you know, to be a 3.0 GPA department-wide uh, performer uh, academically. And we've got strategic objectives to be at a 3.3 and a 3.4 and, and to stretch those. We can incentivize student athletes who perform at an elite level academically. We can also incentivize student athletes for remaining at Wichita State um, beyond a transfer window. So those Alston educational funds are critically important. So what we just covered was two additional elements of a scholarship, the five traditional cost of attendance and the Alston Educational Awards. And so those are great um, steps for our student athletes. Yeah. And so we're just so our listeners understand, we're doing six of those, um, the seventh and the Alston decision, which was named after that Supreme Court decision mm -hmm. that allowed for that and this NIL um, uh, you know, rules and regulations. Um, we're not currently doing, but we're working we, that, that's that's right. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. We do the six elements, the seventh and the Alston Educational Awards. We're currently fundraising for it's one of the pathways that we will utilize the Shocker Way unrestricted giving campaign that we launched uh, this last week. We've got gifts and pledges uh, close to two hundred thousand dollars already for that yeah. fund. And we would intend to route some of those funds to the Alston Educational Awards. Yeah, that'd be great to help support the, the, the student athletes. So what's not allowed specifically under NIL rules? Well, institutions, um, based on the NCAA's guidance, um, cannot arrange or negotiate NIL transactions for student-athletes. So representatives of the institution cannot be the, the, the middle person, if you will, between a student-athlete and a business in the community. That has to be a direct link. Um, we cannot uh, promise NIL activity in the recruiting process. That's called a recruiting inducement. And so we can't utilize NIL as recruiting inducements. And then it can't be set up as a pay for play uh, where it might be a quid pro quo for certain statistical performance or achievements. Um, it, it really truly is a market driven, isolated to name image likeness. It's not about performance on the court or the field. Um, certainly that has an indirect impact, but those are the three primary areas of guidance that the NCAA has has pushed forward. What's interesting about the NIL space is there's only 22 states that have state laws. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's an imbalance in terms of the foundation and how it's being executed nationally. And I would anticipate at some point down the road, we might get some federal guidance yeah. on, on that. I've heard you uh, say in other forums uh, how um, it's, it's, there's some misinformation out there about the amount of dollars that are going to athletes um, who are engaging in NIL activities. Could you explain that a little bit more yeah. and, and, and how you uh, have been tracking that? I would be happy to. So uh, one of the partners that we'll talk about in our infrastructure is Open Doors. And Open Doors is simply a third party that provides a website and then they provide a marketplace that connects the businesses to our student athletes. Well, NIL started in uh, July of uh, 21. And so we're really just at the, the one year mark um, as, as you work your way through that. The, the uh, fourth quarter, financial quarter of 21, so we're talking October, November, and December of 21, Opendoors logged and tracked 5,200 NIL transactions nationwide. Okay, so in a three month period, that would have been uh, the fourth, fifth, and sixth months of NIL existence. Of those 5,200 transactions, the average was $1,100 per transaction. 
Okay, so if you're a student athlete and you think about that, you think you can enter that space at about $1,100 per transaction. Well, what's misleading is, is that the median transaction number is $300. Mm-hmm. And so I think that in combination with the, the media exposure, the national media exposure of these five, six, and seven-figure NIL deals, they have a significant influence because they pull a median of 300 up to an average of 1100 but the overwhelming majority of NIL deals is done in the hundreds of dollars and not in the thousands of dollars. And so that really impacts the market that we're trying to be competitive in. Yeah. We don't need to be competitive in the five, six, and seven figure market. We need to be competitive in the three and four figure market per transaction. Yeah. And so this, this to me uh, means that this is doable for us and, and, and who we are and where we are and, and what kind of support we have. You know, a lot of people see these news reports that you're alluding to that, you know, K-State lost a basketball player to Miami for, I think, $800,000 or mm-hmm. something like that. Tennessee gave a, a, a potential, or not a potential, a, a high school student mm-hmm. who committed to Tennessee, a quarterback, mm-hmm. I think $8 million mm-hmm. over the time that he'd be playing in Tennessee. And I think people are scared about that, but yes. that's not really the norm, and that's not what we're likely to see uh, and be, need to be concerned about. No, and as I sit down with recruits and their families, which I really enjoy that part of the job mm-hmm. as we sell Wichita State, um, We'll talk about um, historical activity in NAL. That's not considered a recruiting inducement. Uh, when a young person's on our campus, we can talk about history and fact. And so the ability for us to talk about our, our men's basketball program, sitting underneath a tent at the Riverfest over the course of the summer and getting several hundred dollars to do an autograph session, we can talk about that because it mm-hmm. speaks to the market and what the market is starting to learn to do in the yeah. NIL space. Sydney McKinney with our softball program has done an unbelievable job uh, there. And so we'll share those stories. And as we do, I watch the nonverbal uh, behavior of our of our uh, recruits and their parents and their family members, and that checks a box for them when they hear, yeah. "Okay, we're active in the space and we're growing it. It's new, and we've got a great market that we live and work in, and and I can be successful in that area." Here. Yeah. So you 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 talk about open doors marketplace. Um, we also have a, a connection with Armchair Strategies. Um, collective. Mm-hmm. So how do those two groups play into our overall competitive competitiveness in, that we're thinking about as an institution? Sure. So the Open Doors Marketplace, we'll start with that. Open Doors is a third party, basically website administrator that uh, Wichita State Athletics contracts with to host a website for us. That website is called the Shocker Marketplace, and you'll see a connection to that on the website we referenced earlier, uh, goshockers.com forward slash NIL. When you go onto the marketplace, you have the ability to search and, and, and find any one of our student athletes. You can see the history of the NIL transactions that they've done, the activities that they've had uh, through Open Doors, and it's a connection point. Okay, you and I've talked about a a few times where we felt um, a few months ago, some might use the word, hey, we were a little bit behind in this space. But I feel like we're one of 24 institutions with an open doors marketplace now nationally. We've taken some significant steps forward in the last uh, couple of months. And open doors is great for the individual. Let's say we've got a, a car dealership in town that would like to have a student athlete come out and do a one hour autograph session or speak to their employees. Uh, whatever the case may be, they can pitch those ideas 
on the marketplace. Um, student athlete accepts. Um, it will go ahead and execute an agreement, which is, protects the integrity of the yeah. institution. It will um, confirm that the activity has actually taken place with photographs and, and all those things. And then it'll actually walk our student athletes through some of the tax liabilities because it is taxable income for them. And so the one of the very bright spots of this is our young people are learning about taxes yeah. earlier than they might yeah. otherwise learn about taxes. So that piece is really good. Um, the armchair strategies takes a little bit different approach to it. They're called a collective because what they do is they, they fundraise and collect funds. They create the opportunities. So in other words, the individuals that were interested this summer in, in supporting NIL contributed funds to armchair strategies, collective armchair strategies, collective reached out to Riverfest and put that autograph session piece together. Uh, in order to be able to to fund our student athletes in that way. One thing that I think is really important for us to stress institutionally is that I certainly don't want to be in the business of, of directing funds for donors when they want to be uh, very generous. Um, we, we don't necessarily want to force those funds into certain spots. What is key, though, is that NIL uh, participation be above and beyond what you're already doing for athletics. Because at the end of the day, if we're taking front funds from annual operating budgets and putting it into our student athletes pockets through NIL, certainly helps the student athletes, but may, may not be helping us grow our programs. And so yeah. that piece is important. Yeah. So uh, when I hired you, I, I, we did a lot of talking uh, leading up to that. And one of the things that I thought was really important that was desperately needed is um, you as a new athletic director needed to get out into the community, talking to our supporters, talking to our, our alums, talking to uh, the folks that really uh, have made Shocker Nation what it is today. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I appreciate that. I know you've only been here a couple of months and you've done so much and, and really made great connections. So thank you for that. So talk a little bit more about the importance of that and how that connects to our scholarship athletic association, mm -hmm. say so, and, and how important that is for our programs and competitiveness. Well, and I, I appreciate that. And, and you and I had great conversations through the process and those connections with our donors and our community and season ticket holders have been very, very important. And we've, we've made our best efforts to do that for, with folks that have been very supportive. The Shocker Athletic Scholarship Organization really provides critical support support for 250 student athletes. And I think it's important we've got a, a say so is the abbreviated version of that Shocker Athletic Scholarship Organization. We have an event for our say so donors tonight and I'm going to share with them their stats. Our student athletes come from 30 plus different states, 24 countries. They represent 68 academic majors um, here at Wichita State. We have 50% first generation college students uh, within our student athlete population and about 15 to 20% are on fe federal Pell assistance. And so we're serving a student athlete that hasn't necessarily seen a role model in their families before and uh, replicates very much what we do here at Wichita State and the general student population as well. So um, we're ushering generational and transformational change within those student athletes' families, and that's very inspiring and motivating for all of us. Um, the Our student athletes performed really well academically. Um, 3.0 department-wide GPA for the last 34 consecutive semesters, and in the spring of 2022, we were a 3.3. So very, very strong, and, and that doesn't happen without the support of SESO. So those SESO funds are accumulated through seat donations that are a part of our men's basketball 
season ticket sales annually. And so, so the support of men's basketball through season tickets and say-so donations impacts both scholarship support for our 15 sport programs and 250 student athletes, in addition to providing the ticket income that helps fund our entire program. So in a way, we've put a lot of our eggs in one basket, yeah. um, and that's critically important to us. Yeah. You know, listen to you talking through this is that um, – and this is some of the conversations that I have with supporters, um, donors, um, you know, interested parties. They forget that athletes are actually students. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really uh, the most important thing is that they, they get a good experience and that they're prepared to go out to whatever they want to do, whether that's professional sports. And some of them will have that opportunity. Others will uh, go on and and get into their disciplines that they studied here. Mm-hmm. So you've made a great effort of making sure people um, understand that first and foremost, that this is all about students. Mm-hmm. So um, facilities. Mm-hmm. So when we were making the transition um, uh, in the athletic department, uh, one of the things I did before I um, started the interviews is that I'd been to the facilities across campus numerous times, but not really studying them in, in a holistic way. So I spent a day going through all of our facilities, um, and we have some really great facilities. We have some facilities that need a little work, and we mm-hmm. have some facilities that, that need to be replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about that. Uh, I know you're embarking on a, a master plan for that. Can you tell us where you are in that process and how you see this going forward? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So uh, you're right. We've got some incredible facilities. And again, I think it's important, just like on the campus side, there's um, you never reach the finish line on your facilities. There's always something to grow and improve on. So and, and we've made some great improvements and uh, certainly have great partnerships in that baseball and softball. We've done new turf in the indoor uh, bombardier hitting facility, training facility that services both uh, baseball and softball. And then recently softball with new lights, batting cages. We're expanding that third base dugout. So we have an opportunity to host AAC championships, some really good things going on. The facility master planning process, which, by the way, started this week, and uh, we're excited about that. It's really an effort to define a pathway uh, for all 15 of our sports and the facilities that they use that are so critical to their development. And I think that's the the overarching uh, philosophy on a facility master plan is student athlete recruitment, uh, retention, and then ultimately development, not dissimilar to our campus spaces. We want to, Woolsey Hall is a great example. We want to recruit elite level business school students. Uh, We want to retain and develop them. And so we do the same thing in athletics and um, we'll define that pathway. And and in defining that pathway, I think it's really important to um, get to timeline, scope, cost, uh, renderings so mm-hmm. that you can really define the vision for those spaces as we sit down with folks that have interest in those areas is showing them there's a defined plan. And that's really what the facility master plan is, is creating that plan for all of our facilities. Yeah. At recent conversations uh, with uh, interested parties around our, our facilities, um, I had this conversation just yesterday with a group of individuals and and um, what what I know and I think what you know from being here in this short period of time is that people want championships. They want to win championships. They want to host championships. Mm-hmm. That And we have to get real about that. And mm-hmm. that means that we have to have support to, to build these facilities and maintain them, all of them, um, not just 
a couple. Uh, so yeah, it's it's also a focus of the university. We'll be uh, joining in on on that as we look at the entire campus. So. Looking forward to that partnership. Absolutely. And I think we've used the analogy about aligning resources to expectations, whether it's annual operating resources or facility support. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be the nicest house in the neighborhood. We don't have to be at number one financially in Mm -hmm. the league. But it is reasonable to expect that we can outperform resources and be in the top third and win championships. That's absolutely reasonable. The middle third becomes a little bit more of a challenge, and the bottom third is is. Uh, there are some real issues with that, but uh, overall, we've been in a pretty good spot. We're going to continue to grow and, and build and align resources to championship level expectations. And I'm going to tell on you a little bit. Hopefully, you don't you won't mind. So during the interview process, um, uh, Kevin um, sent um, his sort of roadmap of what he is thinking that we should be do here at Wichita State. He sent us a document. All of us got it FedEx to us the night before um, we interviewed him. Um, and uh, what that demonstrated to me and I think to the committee is that you'd actually done some thinking about what will make Shocker Athletics successful. Can you just in a few minutes talk about what you're uh, implementing now? You've said a few things, but if you could kind of put it into uh, one little place for everybody, that'd be great. Absolutely. I think the first and foremost, we've got to have a vision and vision starts with your values. So um, what we sent to the advisory committee and to you was uh, uh, the Shocker Way. And there's three primary components to the Shocker Way. The first is our core values. Core values for it's really who we are. And it's the lens through which we make decisions and we behave within athletics. And that's uh, character, integrity, knowledge, stewardship, and competitive excellence, understanding right from wrong, aligning your behavior Mm -hmm. to that understanding, um, understanding that we are constantly in a pursuit of knowledge and that we maintain coachable spirits, that we take great care of the resources to whom much is given, much is expected. So core values really is the who we are. What we do um, is we develop young people in programs. So there's a student athlete development piece to the Shocker way. And I believe firmly as an Olympic sports student athlete, we're developing our young people here as students first, people second, players third, and then ultimately professionals. I think any athletic director is going to talk about doing it in the classroom, in the community, and on the court or the field. But for me, the true success is connecting our young people to jobs and understanding that the student athlete pathway is a developmental pathway to get young people to jobs and transform their families and do all those things. So that's the student athlete development piece. The third piece of the Shocker Way is the comprehensive broad-based excellence. We've talked about aligning resources to expectations. When you align yourself in the top third of your league, uh, you have an expectation to win league championships. And really league championships is the gateway to everything we wanna do competitively. We want to represent this institution nationally in the NCAA tournament. We want to make deep runs in the NCAA tournament, and we want to be a top 100 program. And so all of the meetings and discussions and everything that we've had these first 80 days puts a lot of information into this funnel. And what comes out is our strategic objectives. Um, And so we have strategic objectives for GPA, for community service, and for competitive excellence, and we're looking forward to getting going. Well, it's amazing that you've been able to accomplish so much in 80 days. That's not a lot of days. Um, and, I, and I appreciate your energy and your enthusiasm. Uh, everybody I'm 
hearing from is very pleased with what's going on in athletics and um, looking forward to the, the, the season you know all of our sports um, we've got a lot going on with volleyball and basketball men's and women's and you know of course then the spring sports and of course always golf and tennis so that's right really excited about that um, looking forward to uh, seeing the great things that you do with our uh, athletic department and, and then helping support the university. So thank you so much, Kevin, for being here today. And we'll uh, see you around campus. Sounds great. Go Shockers. Athletics are a visible, valuable, and entertaining part of our university. And they advance our priority of making education accessible and affordable. Wichita State's coaches and teachers educate and develop young people in the classroom and during competition and practices. SESO's scholarship fundraising helps many student-athletes afford a college education. The student-athletes connect with their fans through their competition and their time in the community, and some make Wichita their home. We invite you to visit our athletic venues to cheer for the Shockers and support the student-athletes in all of our sports who are here to learn, sharpen their athletic gifts, and prepare for a career. Join me on the next episode of Forward Together, where I'll sit down with Dr. Alicia Thompson, Superintendent for USD 259, and WSU Provost Shirley Lefevre to talk about education in Kansas.